0: I'll send you an email or a a Twitter message or or something once it goes up. You mean a tweet? A tweet. I'll I'll tweet you. Cool. Um, (laughs)
1: Feature Complete, a podcast about game development and game design. My name is Scott. And I'm Tad. We're both grad students in the School of Computing at Queen's University, and we help run the Game Developers Club. The Queen's Game Developers Club was started to provide an environment
0: for students who are interested in game development and design, but don't really know where to start. We'll be talking to people in industry and academia who work with games to hear about their experiences. You can find our club homepage
1: at www.qgdc.ca. On today's podcast, we have Adam Saltzman, a.k.a. Adam Atomic. He's the developer of Flixel, the Cannonball game, and many more.
0: So we are talking today to Adam Saltzman, uh, also known as Adam Atomic, developer of Flixel and Cannonball, among many other things. Uh, Adam, thanks for taking the time and, and speaking to us today. Sure thing, guys. So, can you give us a little introduction and tell us who you are? And I gave you a very brief intro, but can you talk about who you are and, and what you've done?
2: Uh, sure. I'm, uh, uh I'm a, a guy who lives in Austin, Texas, I guess. And, uh, uh, I think about three years ago, I started making, um, flash games on the side for fun. Mm, excuse me. And, uh, uh, eventually, uh, the uh sort of uh, side effects of that of reusing code to make a bunch of games over and over uh was uh this thing called Flixel, which is a sort of a free uh library uh for flash game makers uh, that's all based in code and is completely free for uh personal or commercial work uh that um, people can use uh to help them make games. And uh a little while after Flixel was released I made a game um that a lot of people have heard of now called Cannibal i um, about a guy running on uh rooftops um and uh jumping. Uh it's a great concept, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh and smashing through windows, all sorts of fun things. Um and uh since then I've been working on lots of other things, but um I'm not sure any of it is um as recognizable as Cannibal or Flixel at this point. Yeah.
1: The next big one is coming, I'm sure. <laughs>
0: could,
1: uh, could, could you tell us a little bit more about uh, your background? So you said about three years ago you started developing Flixel and, and Flash-based games. Uh, what were you doing prior to that?
2: Oh, sure. Um, after, uh, after school, I uh, had a horrible job for three months, uh, stocking, <laughs> stocking shelves at an electronics store. That was, um, that was completely awful. And then I uh, actually worked for about two and a half years as a, a software developer for a small company here in Austin. Um, and a lot of that time was really well spent. It was a really good job. Uh, I left there to pursue some freelancing opportunities, um, which is sort of shorthand for um, losing money for two straight years and screwing jobs up over and over and over <laughs> until eventually, like by trial and error, I kind of figured out what I was doing. Um and uh uh after that I um a guy that I rock climb with uh showed me a thing that he was building for his iPhone. Um didn't even have a name yet, uh but it was sort of a, a word find game and uh I did art for it one morning and uh that was a really big hit. Uh and hey, what was so, that what was that called? Uh it's called Wordle. Wordle. Okay. Uh and it was a real big hit, so I actually got to, uh, I stopped freelancing a few months after that, and uh, we worked on a, a, a iPhone racing game, which was announced but never released, and then made Cannonball, which was released. Um, and uh, we've been working on different things on and off since then, uh, and it's it's been good.
0: And, and were, when you were doing freelancing, were you doing game-related freelancing? Were you, were you doing coding for game companies?
2: Um, it was a real mix. I, I, I don't think I ever did any... Uh, and that's not true. I did write some code for game companies.
1: Uh, it was a
2: mix of programming and artwork um, for a lot of different companies. Um, uh, one company that went on to become the Austin branch of Zynga here, uh, oh, huh. I worked there for a couple weeks. That was kind of interesting. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't even for them. It was they had contracted contractors who contracted <laughs> contractors who contracted me. Um, oh, wow. To do like two weeks of work. Um, I helped make a uh, uh a satellite radio client and server. That was weird. Um, wow. I did a lot of um, pixel art for mobile phone games, especially for the um, the T-Mobile Sidekick um, for a small company in, uh, Seattle. That was actually really fun. Um, and I did some, I did some spec work for electronic arts. It was a riot, but my producer got fired. Um, <laughs> when they laid off about 500 people a couple years ago and he was among the many, um, which was a shame. Uh, yeah. uh, but yeah, a, a pretty broad mix of things, some flash programming, some silver lights, um, uh, Pixel Art, some um, I uh art directed and did all of the art production for a whole casual game one month. That was intense. Um just a, a pretty wide swap. Oh, I made I made uh three D skyscrapers for Flight Simulator X. <laughs> <Right> now, um,
0: <laughs> so you do have a really wide range of
2: uh a wide range of experience. Yeah, <laughs> it's not just a... it, fortunately, all the skyscrapers I made were for New York and this was in like two thousand and three or something, so they never, ever showed the skyline of New York in the flight simulator marketing because of 9-11. Oh, right, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's
2: kind of buried work at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's really interesting, Adam. So it sounds like, in addition to your, your programming, you also do a lot of art from uh, what you're telling us.
2: Um, I, I, I like to mix it up. I think it makes, um, it makes things a lot more interesting, and I find that, um, at least in the, like the small games that I build... Most of the time, they kind of inform each other in a cool way. So, you know, in Cannonball, we'd start, I'd start programming some ideas, and then, uh, either I would get bored programming or I wouldn't be sure what to do next, so I would do some artwork, and then that would give me ideas about maybe what to program next. And it gets into this really cool feedback loop. Nice. I like to collaborate too, but it's, I think it's really, um, it's really nice to be uh, comfortable or confident enough to, like step in and fill in gaps by yourself when you can. Yeah, definitely. Now I think
0: I read somewhere that Flixel started out almost exclusively for yourself, where you wanted to build a project that would help you write games, and it's now grown in, into something much larger. Um, can you talk a little bit about the origins of, of Flixel, how how it actually came about, and what your goals for it were originally?
2: Yeah, initially, so um, yeah, you know, I, w- I was working as a fr- as a freelancer, so. That was taking up most of my time, and you know as a freelancer, you very rarely get um, revenue share or anything like that, so you kind of put in your time, you get your big paycheck and you go find another job and uh, the idea the fun the fun way to do it is to try and get jobs where the pay is good enough that maybe you can take a week off at the end of each month or something like that um, in order to spend time on um, you know, a personal project or something that's really important to you or travel or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the thing that freelancing lets you do, that having a real job doesn't. And freelancing has lots of cons too, but it's sort of, uh if you're going to freelance, why not, you know, actually, you know, take advantage of what it has to offer. Um, you know, once once you've like uh done a really bad job of it for two years, you know, and figured out what to do in the first place, um, sort of the, that was the next logical step. It was like, okay, well, let's you know, if we're going to do this, let's do it right. And um, you know, that meant that I might have a couple days a month to devote to personal projects, um, ultimately and practically. And uh, so that meant, uh, you know, I would need tools to let me make something that would be really satisfying in that period of time. And, um, you know, like a lot of people my age, I'm almost 30 now, um, we grew up on, you know, NES and Super Nintendo and um, Sega Genesis was kind of my favorite console of the era. But, um, you know, it's, uh, and uh, fortuitously, about the same time, ActionScript 3 had just come out, which um, had a lot better performance than ActionScript 2, and it also gave you this um, per pixel access to bitmap data. Um, which was a really big deal. So all of a sudden it was like, hey, I have a few free days a month. Flash can do pixel stuff pretty well now and it's really interesting. And um you know, maybe maybe this is the right these are the right forces overlapping at the right time. Um so I started making little uh test games, um, which were really they were barely anything more than prototypes or demos, um, at first. And uh uh, but slowly started to build up um, between, you know, projects that were released and projects, some projects that weren't released, um, some chunks of code that were really handy, they were really useful. You know, you don't want to rewrite animation code uh, for every single project if you're using the same kind of animation in each of your projects, which I was. I'd done, uh, you know, freelancing. I'd been doing pixel art animation for mobile phones for years, uh, so it only made sense to write a little code that would, handle that pixel art animation for me. And now, ta-da! It's all done. I don't have to worry about it. It's, it's very easy for me to save off a few images, see an animation in my game, and move on to thinking about, you know, the design of the story or the atmosphere or whatever. Um, so initially, that's all, that's, that was the whole goal. Was, you know, hey, uh, I, if I don't do this, I don't know what to do. Uh, you know, work on a game for two days and then set it aside for a month. You can do that. My friend Justin actually did that for like five years, but I don't have, I don't have the patience for it. Uh, unfortunately. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I've got that set up and almost right away it was like, oh wow, you know, if it's gonna take a while, you know, because I only get to do this about a week a month or something like that in the very best case, but, you know, uh, potentially these are, you know, this is open source code that I could maybe share with the community once I'm not, you know, too embarrassed about it. Because um, I'd, done, I'd done a lot of 2D engine work before, and I had in college in a, a game design class, um, it was the only game design course at the entire university, um, they had given us uh, an open source 2D uh, game engine uh, as part of our assignment. And it was like, oh, wow, now all, all of those annoying parts are done, I can just make a game. Um, and I, I remember that being a big deal, but it was also, it was a Windows-specific C++ thing. And I was looking at Flash as something that would run really well on a browser, it would run really well on Windows machines, it would run really well on Mac machines. Uh, and it was like, well, maybe I can, you know, uh, build this tool for me, clean it up later, and share it with people, and it will actually, you know, it's it's faster to write in ActionScript than it is in C++ and it can run on anybody's computer, and uh, those both seem like just like, awesome opportunities that required, you know, the, the first public release of Flixel only took about two days of work to adapt the stuff that I would built for myself uh, for a public release. So it was really um, a pretty trivial amount of effort uh, to share it with people, and the, the payback's been enormous. It's been awesome.
0: Yeah, definitely. do Do you prefer to work in Flash for most of your most of your development now?
2: Um, yeah, most uh, anything that I'm building for myself is in Flash right now, um, which is not it's you know it's not a perfect platform uh, by any means, mm. but uh, the pros outweigh the cons for me right now. There are some projects, um, there are certain tools um, where I'll just work in native Flash and not bother with Flixel. Um, there's other tools where um, I just can't do what I need to do in Flash, so I'll work in Java instead, um, uh, mainly because that's cross-platform and browser-compatible as well. Um, just a little little heavier to work with, and I sometimes hate it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Most people seem to.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's a natural reaction, but it, it, has some, it has some incredible strengths as an environment. So um, sometimes it's the right tool for the job. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, I would say that the vast majority of my work is in Flash and in Flixel. Um, and I and I have these funny moments where if I haven't worked with Flixel in a few months, I'll start making a game, and I'll, uh, it, it sounds really silly, but I'll be like, oh, I wish there was a way, and then I remember that I totally built something that do <laughs> exactly that, and I can just plug it in, and uh, everything's working. And I I feel this enormous gratitude to the version of me that six months ago Like, actually (laughs) built this stuff for me to use now. Um, Mm. That's really cool. But then it has these great ripple effects that I don't even think about, where um, the Swing Swing submarine team um, just won, like, $40,000 from Microsoft for a game they built in Flixel. Um, Yeah, I saw that. And they're in the, the Eurogamer indie arcade now, and... There's also a, there's another Flash game built on Flashpunk that's in the Eurogamer, Eurogamer indie arcade, um, which, uh, my friend Chevy built Flashpunk after seeing Flixel, but, um, wanting to build something that had a, uh, organization that he preferred. Uh, so, there are these kind of, like, cool, uh, long-term effects that, uh, just make me feel good all the time. Like, if I get nothing done, all day. Like either I'm stuck on a programming problem or I'm stuck on looking at pictures of cats on the internet uh or uh whatever. Uh at the end of the day it's kind of like, hey, I worked on at least ten games today. None of, <laughs> right. them, none of them were here. <laughs> it was all over the world, but like I I got something done.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. The the indie game community and, and projects like Flashpunk and Flixel, it's so nice to see. And you two are a, a good example of that, where you share links to each other's pages. You're not in competition with each other in 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 a typical way. You actually collaborate together. Can you talk a little bit about that relationship with you guys, and maybe address the Flash Game Dojo?
2: Um, sure. Yeah, I I met I met Chevy on the internet. Um. Maybe a year or two ago, and then uh, we finally met in person last spring, I think, um, and he's the awesomest dude, <laughs> <laughs> period. He's like, I don't know, uh, 23 or something, and uh, uh, is just like a rampant genius, <laughs> and the, easily the most energetic person I've ever been around. All right. He's a remarkable dude. But, um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, what... uh, The idea of competing for free game development software that has, (laughs) like, fundamentally different approaches to how to solve the problem and appeal to different developers just seems, like, so completely insane to me. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, if the point of Flixel... Um, and, and very legitimately, like, part of the point of Flixel was like, hey, maybe this will be good for my reputation in the long run. Like, there is, there is some kind of underlying basic, like, this is good karma for me one way or another, but, Mm. um, you know, the, the part of it that makes me feel good is the part where people start making video games for fun, uh, in their free time, and, uh, you know, there's there are lots of th- are lots of things in the world like um, that people just that just don't click with people. You know, different people learn in different ways. Some people need to learn by example. Some people need somebody to actually kind of like give them a tutorial and go step by step. Uh, and some people, myself included, really just get the way Flixel is laid out. Um, and it just makes perfect sense. Of course, that's how you do this, this, and this. There's a lot of people who that is not the case at all for. So if their choice is somebody's told them, hey, you should use Flixel, it's really easy, and they pick it up, and it's not easy for them, the choice at the end of the day for me is, do they stop making video games forever, or do they go try out Flashpunk? Right. And... Uh, and, and I'm sure there's a C, a D, and an E in that situation too. But <laughs> like, if they've already bothered to learn a little bit of ActionScript and they just don't get Flixel, like by all means, they should go and pick up this other library and see, um, you know, see if that clicks. Absolutely. Um, so then we uh, we started up. Um, we had this idea to kind of pool um, community resources because we were notice we were talking and. Um, you know, it it became obvious really quickly that a lot of our community had a lot of the same questions, and they had nothing to do with our libraries. They had everything to do with ActionScript. Um, and there's a lot of really cool, um, ActionScript resources out there. There's a guy, um, who has this blog, Sinocular, that's just completely fantastic. Um, and, uh, there's some other forums that uh, have a lot of really helpful information, uh, but there aren't any that are really um, dedicated to games. Um, and games are a subset of normal programming, but they have all these weird problems that people um, need to solve and usually solve in the same way. And uh, a lot of those solutions are counterintuitive, uh, and either because game design can be weird sometimes or because action script can be weird sometimes. But it just seemed like it made a lot of sense to put all those resources in one place. But um, it's kind of been nonstop trouble since we started it. <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh, Wiki, Wiki software, uh, we use MediaWiki, and it has to be updated a lot, and um, it gets spammed pretty heavily, and we have some really great volunteers that help um, keep up with that stuff now. Um, the, uh, somebody just hacked my whole server through a WordPress problem a while ago, and that caused a bunch of problems. I, I built a lightweight, um, uploader, because I wanted, I wanted Flash Game Dojo to also be sort of a dumb host for, um, work in progress games. Um, so if you're a game developer, the the idea was, like, I want to make games in Flash that you could go to Flash Game Dojo and it would walk you through the steps for what software to download, how to set it up, how to make a simple game, and then how to upload it. Um, And so you wouldn't even need an FTP program or anything. Uh, And I still think that that's that's a really cool resource, but we haven't had the time uh, or ability to um, really turn it into what it's supposed to be. Right away, malicious spam got uploaded to um, the host and we had to shut that down. Uh, so it's not, um, I I think we both thought that it would take a long time to catch on and be really useful, um, but it's, it's been hard to tell if it's actually, um, as good a resource as we hoped it would be, or if it needs more time, or if maybe we missed the mark somehow, I'm not sure. Uh,
0: if, if it helps, I can give you a single data point, and it's, that it, it helped me when I was looking at
1: Flixel and Flashpunk, so... It's good. Good for me. I, I want to thank you for that. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. That's great. While uh, we well, were talking about um, open source projects, uh, Cannibal, which we mentioned earlier, uh, your auto-running game, um, it's it's been open sourced. Uh, can you tell us what the reaction to to that's been like?
2: Um, I think it's been it hasn't been bad by any means, um, and I know that. Uh, um, I think it's it's helped a few iOS developers to um, get their games built. Um, there's a, a game made here in Austin called Connect Road uh, that I think um, that used our our iOS Flixel stuff. Um, and there was um, uh, there's an awesome action game coming out soon called Ziggurat that is going to be built on it as well. Um, so it hasn't it hasn't I don't think it's had a huge impact, but It's, again, it's one of these things where the the cons for that scenario were so, uh, minimal. You know, it took a few hours to clean up, clean out some proprietary stuff that we didn't actually want to be in there that had to do with, like, server security and stuff like that, um, and put it out there for people to check out, and, you know, the, the worst case scenario is nobody, you know, learns anything from it, um... And, you know, even we had a, a, some Taiwanese company or, um, um, Southeast Asian company, uh, grabbed the source code and recompiled it and put it up on, um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, it was only up there for a couple days, it didn't confuse anybody, and the second time they did it, um, we got a ton of press, and we actually sold like an extra few hundred copies that day. Oh, nice,
0: <laughs> that's great.
2: So, I mean, there's just it's another one of these things where you know it might be counterintuitive on the surface, but there just don't seem to really be any downsides to it. Um, you know, definitely not uh, not a move where re- we regret in the slightest.
0: And you still sell copies of CannaBalls for uh, yeah. for Apple devices, right? Yep. Yeah, so it's still up there.
2: Yeah, and it's uh, it definitely uh, helps keep our doors open and uh, food on our tables and everything. It's really cool.
0: Maybe I'll send you an email later about how to how to perfect jumping from one building into another building that has a window because I, I can't do. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it takes a soft touch. Yeah, I don't have it. I'm too too mighty and strong. Maybe
2: <laughs>
0: don't have it. <laughs> um, so. You made the jump, and you already talked about this. You already talked about this a little bit, but you jumped from freelancing to to being a, a successful indie developer. Um, you talked about that process for us, and and it's it's awesome to hear about that. Uh, was that was that a little bit nerve wracking? Did did you feel comfortable with the process, or wh- what were some of the hurdles that that you encountered when you were going from uh, just a guy to to force in the indie games community? <laughs> what, what was that like?
2: Um, you know, I think. I really feel like we got all of our stressful parts out of the way as, um, you know, freelancing. Um, and when I say our, I mean, um, my wife and I, because we were both pretty <laughs> stressed for a couple of years. Um, uh, you know, I, cause I, I had, I had this good stable job for over, over two years and, um, it paid reasonably, but it wasn't looking super promising, uh, for a variety of reasons. So we decided, uh, that in the space of three weeks, we would buy a house, uh, get married, and I would quit that job. Wow. Because uh, <laughs> why not, right? Let's, <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, let's, let's it all. get it all over with. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So we did that, and uh, uh, you know, the next two years were pretty tricky, and we learned a lot about um, personal finances and taxes and um, health care. And uh, (laughs) uh, a lot of the the things that are just like a pure gut-wrenching stress of the first time you kind of are um, self-sufficient in various ways, Um, you know, a lot of that was out of the way. So it was actually kind of a relief to um, have a little time to um, build games that we had an ownership stake in. and actually release them, and actually get feedback, and actually get, you know, um, start to get um, fans or followers or people who thought that this work was interesting enough to merit further attention. Um, That was all kind of a relief at that point. Like That that was all a lot easier (laughs) than what we'd been doing for the last couple of years. Uh, So, but I mean, so uh, so when when I try to imagine people kind of leaving their first, you know, leaving a real job or leaving school and going straight into, you know, independent game development, I, in my head, I try to sandwich together the first two years of running our own company where we learned a ton and sandwich, you know, and and pile in with that the two years before that freelancing where I learned possibly even more. And I try to think of if, like, what if I learned all of those lessons in 18 months or something instead of, you know, almost five years. And that's a really intimidating thought. Um, I mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's been fantastic. Uh, But it's, um, you know, I I can't think of any part of it that I would personally describe as as super easy, especially if you have, um, you know, a family or a mortgage or, um, you know, sort of significant, or meaningful overhead, um, you know th- mm-hmm. things can get tricky from time to time. Uh, yeah. Yes. But, uh, but boy, I mean, it's it's so worth it. It's yeah. so completely worth it. Um, and, uh, you know, the uh, the only thing is, I think it would for people who are maybe less insane or don't have as many supportive people around them. I think, um. There's a scenario I can imagine where um, you strike off to make it on your own and um, you work really hard for six months and you know, the pieces just aren't falling into place. Um, being willing and able somehow, you know, through friends or family or whatever to persevere for the next 18 months to five years, however long it takes, to kind of teach yourself how to do this stuff, mm-hmm. um, that seems to make all the difference in the world. Because now, you know, I'm in a position where I feel like I have a lot of flexibility and a lot of freedom. And, I, you know, in a completely different way than if I had uh, still had sort of a, a quote-unquote real job. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. No Um. That, that's very interesting i guess um now that you're you're kind of you said it's it was a uh, was a big start um but now that you're kind of more settled as a as an indie developer, can you tell us what uh what a day in the uh, in the life of atom atomic is like
2: oh man right now it's a little bit crazy <laughs> a little weird anyway um but um, you know a a normal day. Uh, I would say is something to the effect of, um, get up at, uh, try to get up at seven, hopefully be up by seven thirty. Um, we have a, a seven month old son now. So early rising is the order of the day. Um, Congratulations. Because, uh, thanks. Uh, we go exercise for an hour or two and then, um, uh, you know, check up on email and, uh, Usually, um, if I've got, you know, if if anything comes in that I've got to take care of, that'll take less than a couple minutes, I just take care of it all. Otherwise, I kind of put punch it into a task list of, you know, write this blog post on Friday, um, and that way I can just clear out the inbox and not have to think about it, um, and then on a good day, it's usually just, um, work on a game I love until lunchtime, um, take a little break, um maybe watch some Street Fighter or read the news or something. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I work um, usually, uh, since I've been starting work at 9 or 10 or something, which is a lot earlier than I used to, and it's not even that early, but it's just earlier, um, usually by 4 or 5 o'clock, uh, again, on a good day, uh, I've made a ton of progress. I've kind of run out of ideas to try and uh save everything. Sometimes I'll upload, you know, push stuff up to Dropbox or um Git or uh FTP to share with collaborators or um with people who are giving me feedback and um save everything off and that's that's the day. Have dinner, watch a movie, um walk the dogs and uh it's uh, it's totally awesome. <laughs>
1: that's fantastic.
2: Some days there's you know, paperwork. Um, Some days there is um, just waiting for people to email you back uh, and kind of your hands are tied. Um, And uh, other days it's sort of work on something for two hours, then uh, switch gears, work on something else for two hours, switch gears, work on yet another game for two hours. Um, And, uh, or, you know, oh, suddenly you need to do marketing. So, you know, especially if you're toward the tail end, your game is in pretty good shape. It's looking pretty good. Maybe instead of, um, you know, doing experiments and prototyping, you're taking screenshots and um, sort of stumbling through iMovie trying to make a trailer, even though you've never made it before.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right.
2: (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, slapping, like, opening up the last website you made for your last game and, like, deleting the old graphics and putting in new ones so now you have a website for the new game. Uh, you know, I think uh, if you don't have a publisher, then, you know, these are, you've got a few weeks of this stuff at the end of uh, of a, a major, you know, game development cycle that uh, that somebody has to do. So we do that. Sometimes it's server maintenance, and sometimes it's um, you know helping debug code. Sometimes it's um, you know a couple hours of QA. Uh, there's lots of there's lots of things to do here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <Sounds like laughs> Wow it's not all just sitting around playing video games all day. there's a lot of work to it, but yeah, it, it, it turns <laughs> out <laughs> but it, it I mean, it sounds like you've put in the hard work and you hear you hear that with teams a lot teams like the the guys who made super meat boy or or uh amnesia they how they work and work so hard, and then you you see them now and it looks like they're just playing video games but man it's the the payoff is so great, but there's there's a lot of work t- to to get there
2: yeah, and I haven't even really gone. Uh, and had that sort of, um, development experience, really. Like, the whole, this kind of, like, just, uh, you know, 16 hours a day every day for two years kind of thing.
0: Yeah.
2: I'm, I just can't do it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, I, I can't even imagine, like, emotionally what that sort of thing is like, but, um, You know, even getting, you know, even something that was sort of a normal job for six or seven months when it's actually kind of ready to show people, um, it's, I don't know, it definitely feels like a big deal. Mm hmm. And, uh, and what about plans
0: for the future? What, uh, what's coming up for you? Oh man. Anything you can talk about?
2: (laughs) Um, you know, we're doing, um, Uh, locally, uh, my friend Brandon and uh, Wiley and I um, have had the opportunity to sort of set up a kind of um, game culture monthly meetup thing that we're calling Huegos Rancheros. Uh, (laughs) So, um, and we're kind of, uh, we're hosted by um, Fantastic Arcade, which is sort of a little game festival thing uh, that happens here in Austin uh, at the end of this month, about three weeks from now, I think. Uh, so we've got that meetup on Sunday, and, uh, uh, and I have, I have a thing that's going to be announced very, very, very soon that I can't say anything about, um, and it's not, um, it's not a big deal or anything, but, um, it's it's another sort of cool little experiment thing. Um, Yeah. And, uh, I'm, uh, writing a game design book with my friend Andy Nealon. Uh, oh great! So that will not be out anytime soon. Right, <laughs> <laughs> we have about one chapter done.
0: <laughs> it's yeah. a real, it's
2: a really good chapter. But.
0: <laughs> writing, writing is such a great word. We're writing our thesis too, right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: uh, I, I guess uh, um, since we're part of the uh, Queens Game Developers Club here, uh, can you give us uh, our give people some advice uh, for students uh, that want to get into game development but don't know where to begin?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the advice that I always fall back on, but really, I guess there's there's kind of a, there's an early question, and it's hard, um, you know, given my position and the way that I've decided to go in the industry, um, quote-unquote industry, uh, you know, there, it, it's hard not to sound biased, but it's I think it's a really important question, and it's, um, you know wh- what do you want to do right now do you want to go be part of a large team working on a really big project or do you want to make something smaller and have a little more um, a lot more creative control but a lot more responsibility um, and I think that's kind of a really important and good first question to ask because th- it takes all types of people and there are so many amazing games that wouldn't exist exist if there wasn't a team of 40 or 140 people all pouring their collective creativity behind it. Um, And, uh, you know, so many good friends of mine are at big studios doing totally amazing work. But for the most part, I would actually encourage sort of a different approach depending on, you know, how you feel about what you want to do in general. You know, if uh, if you want to be part of a big team, I would really strongly recommend um, specializing in something. You know, find the little part of the craft that you love and obsess over it. Um, uh, a friend of mine who is a, um, uh, an animator out in Los Angeles now, uh, he went to a Full Sale. And so a lot of people go, Oh, he came out, he's an amazing animator. I say, Wow, Full Sale is quite a school. It's like, Well,. I I kind of feel like his success is maybe more due not so much to full sail and to him spending every waking hour that wasn't in class just animating for about two years, <laughs> um, yeah. and just working his butt off and getting really 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 good uh, at one pretty specific thing, um, and now he's kind of an indispensable team member. He's never going to have trouble uh, <laughs> finding work. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I, I don't, I, you know, at the risk of um, sounding like I endorse working insane hours, um, I don't. But I think that there's there's a phase in your life, especially when um, you're in school or you've just gotten out of school, when you usually aren't tied down to a lot of stuff. Um, you don't necessarily have a family in a house and a lot of these kind of extra responsibilities that... Um, can chew up time, and you you essentially have the latitude to be irresponsible enough with the rest of your life, (laughs) (laughs) that you can dive into a specific discipline and make an insane amount of progress when you're still really young. Um, And uh, I know so many people who that's worked out so well for them that I can't not recommend that. if you want to get into something that requires specialization and being in a big studio absolutely requires specialization. It's just, it's just the ecology. There's no, um, that's, that's just how to make things work. Um, and, uh, you know, so that, that's, that's one path, I think. Uh, uh, and especially if you are, um, uh, if you care more about, Um, just creating, you know, fantastically beautiful art assets um, or uh, animation is just like a relentlessly interesting puzzle to solve. Um, You know, being a specialized part of a team is probably going to be a really fulfilling way to spend some time. Um, For some of us who are impatient and scatterbrained and, uh, uh, you know, maybe more concerned with um, game design and games as artifacts and, uh, having complete, like, narcissistic control over the things that we build, um, you know, that's actually a really legitimate path right now. I think, um, it's, it's, a, it's a slight exaggeration, but, um, you know, with the exception of studios that are essentially second-party sponsored prestige studios, um you know, a lot of game developers kind of have to choose between a studio of two people and a studio of 200. Um, and it's not entirely true. Um, there are mid-sized studios that um, may support themselves with freelance work to offset the lack of publisher support. But for the most part, you know, um, you're going to find uh, find yourself in a really small house or a really big house. Um, I like being in a small house, and... Uh, the only way to get there to make that work is to start making games right now. And that means, like, going and in either after drinking all weekend or before. <laughs> and this is okay during. Uh, mm. <laughs> you get Game Maker, or you get Flixel, or you get Flash Punk, uh, or you get Stencil, or uh, you get something. And you uh, you don't write a design document, you don't draw a bunch of concept art, you don't do any of that stuff. Uh, you start making a game where rectangles move around and something kind of interesting happens, even if it's on accident. And that's step one. And then you assess the weird sort of horrible Frankenstein creature that you've created and you uh, try to figure out what to do with it next. Um, and actually, you know, it doesn't even have to be in code. Um, somebody made a great um, post a while ago, or I wish I could remember their name, about doing this um, with pen and paper and cardboard and markers um, huh. and just, uh, or, you know, or playing cards. Just get a bunch of stuff, and um, he recommended going on Wikipedia and just clicking the random link. whatever it takes you to, you make a game about that with the pieces that you have and you write down the rules and then you play it with somebody uh, and you see if it's interesting. And, you know, so you, you either do that, you know, in that manual analog sense, which I, I thoroughly recommend. It is so much fun to prototype in paper and cardboard. Um, or, you know, you do the digital equivalent of that, whatever you're more comfortable with. Um, but do that and do it over and over and over and over until you find out what you're doing. Um, because nobody can teach you how to do this stuff. We don't even, nobody even has good definitions for what games are. Right, right.
1: <laughs> uh, that's, all, that's all really very, uh, very cool advice. Thanks a lot for that.
0: I think we'll be doing that uh, random Wikipedia game with the club this year. That's a great idea. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> that will be our that will be our next exercise, I think.
2: Yeah, I think um, friends. We, I've talked with people in Austin about it, and they um, they refer to it as um, this is this is a slightly different thing, but you can actually put on what they call a cardboard jam. Oh yeah. You use something like um, Eventbrite or you know some some service to um, accept uh, like admission and registration ahead of time. Uh, so everybody pays $10, you know, and 50 people come or whatever. Uh, but you take the, um, you take all that registration money and you go to the sort of the craft store in the U S we have Hobby Lobby. Um, and, uh, you just buy a bunch of crap. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you get a bunch of cardboard and little cards and markers and little plastic pieces. And they sell these like tubes of dinosaurs and sharks Um, You know, whatever. You get a bunch of that stuff, and then that's what, instead of doing a game jam with computers where you need um, a certain amount of table space per person and surge protectors and extension cables and um, a massive amount of air conditioning, um, you can have these cardboard jams where um, people actually work as teams to um, make pen and paper um, board games or card games uh, tabletop games. And, uh, and you... Uh, the thing is, it goes really fast because you're not debugging anything or worrying about collisions or whatever. Uh, you know, you can rip these games out. Uh, you know, a good prototype, a lot of the times the first version might only take two or three hours. Um, and it might be a doomed idea, you know, and it might be... Um, uh, it might be way too thin on its own and it needs some other, you know, magical ingredient, but it's a really fast process. And then... The fun part is everybody can then switch tables, right? Um, so everybody makes a game, and then everybody, like, switches and plays the next tables over's game, uh, and it's uh, it's really cool. That's neat. It's really cool. Uh, I definitely encourage... I, w- I would love to see more of those happening, just because it's it's one more obstacle, um, you know, out of the way. Like, oh, I don't have a laptop, or I don't know how to, you know, write scripts. Um it's like, well, okay. How about we just think about game design instead of video game design first, and then, if that interests you, and you see like, oh, this is cool, but I wish I could add this, this, and this, you know, and it's too hard to do in a board game, then you can say, oh, well, you know, now you have a, you know, motivation for um, pushing through uh, whatever obstacle was there um, preventing you from pursuing digital game design.
0: Yeah. Maybe if you want to make a good game it's it's easier to make a good game from a bad prototype than it is from no game. So Yeah.
2: Um yeah, or else, you know, uh you know, we we all learn a lot more from our bad games than from our good ones, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, making a, a broken cardboard prototype um is exactly the kind of activity that can like turn on all these light bulbs in your head and go, Okay, I screwed that up. But you know, now I have this, I have this idea for an actual video game that I, I find is very interesting, or even better, you know, oh, I have an idea for a board game that's actually really cool, and they dive right back in with the materials they have. Uh, you know, like that's that's the kind of loop that I would, you know, the the thinking about systems and psychology and um, being willing to iterate on a design, like these are really fundamental core aspects of being a game designer or a game maker and you know none of that stuff requires writing code um, really uh, you know making video games requires writing code but making games has nothing to do with it and so maybe that's an obstacle that we can get rid of um, and and I, I firmly believe that it will have a drastically positive effect on the um, genders and attendance as well. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, if it's if it's not a computers event, it's not a programming event. Um, I think, you know, if all you have to do is show up with ideas and enthusiasm, um, that seems so much more open and welcome to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Adam, you're getting us excited for this uh, upcoming book. The pressure's <laughs> <is> on now. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Um sure uh Sorry, well I'm occasionally muting my mic cuz I'm blowing. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs>
1: that's
2: okay. Uh, uh this sounds well, better than blowing my nose into the microphone. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh thanks a lot for talking with us Adam. Uh you've given us a lot of cool insight uh in, in, into to what you've done and what you're doing. Um I I guess maybe we wanted to to open it up here and just give you uh give you an opportunity to uh to to plug uh, your 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 website and uh and, and blogs and whatnot, uh, feel free.
2: Sure. Um, my website is just, um, com, and there are links there for Twitter and blogs and weird prototypes and, um, side projects and, um, friends game studios and all that good stuff. Um, and I'm on Twitter at, um, adamatomic. <laughs> uh, no spaces. It's pretty, <laughs> it's all pretty straightforward. Um, and, uh, I haven't been real active um, blogging or anything recently, but um, we may start um, sort of blogging in um, connection with our book, um, uh, which doesn't exactly have a, a release date or... Uh, it has a title, but I don't know. We haven't really publicly announced it, so I probably won't say that out loud just yet.
0: Sure, fine, yes. fine. But...
2: Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I'm I'm on Twitter way too much, so if okay. I, if people want to follow there and uh in chat or whatever, that's cool. But um uh and then obviously Flixel is at uh, Flixel.org. org. is over at flashpunk.net. Um and um you know GameMaker is still probably the best introductory software for people to make games, but it's uh it's kinda you know, it has all everything has strengths and weaknesses. Um, so I definitely recommend checking out GameMaker if, if, the, if the price isn't right um, there's always Unity and Flixel and Flashpunk and you know Stencil has a lot of things that Game Maker has uh, and it's built on Flixel uh, and it's completely free as far as I know too it's, spell- it's spelled kind of funny S-T-E-N-C-Y-L
1: okay and how about the uh, Flash Game Dojo where, where can people find out it? yeah, it's just uh, I
2: think it's I think it's flashgamedojo.com. dot com. Yeah, uh, and uh, it's it works pretty good most of the time. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, some cool stuff, but uh, I'm I'm definitely hopeful that we continue to make it bigger and better in the future. Yeah,
0: great. Well, Adam, thank you very much again for taking the time. We really really appreciate it. Sure thing, guys. <laughs> All right, and uh, and yeah. Uh, I'm gonna be checking out your uh, your page because you got a lot of games there. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks a lot. Thanks All right, talk to you guys later. All right, take care. Bye. Are you still
2: there? I'm still here.
0: Oh, sweet, sweet. <laughs> I didn't want to hang up on you. <laughs> that was great. Uh, that was that was awesome. I was going to give you a hard time about uh, about Chevy Ray being Canadian and, and you're American and we're up in Canada, but but, but there, was, there was never a good time to slip that in there. So I,
2: I'm sure it's implied anyway.
0: Yeah, exactly. We can open with uh, O Canada for the for the for the podcast.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, maybe not.
1: We're not we're not big on editing, but so. yeah, yeah, not gonna be not gonna be too much there. Hello, I am projecting to the microphone. Hello, testing one two, testing. Scott's body is ready.